This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome in to this Friday edition of The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Humphrey and Brendan Schaefer here. No producer Chris today, but I'll be back next week. Don't worry. 875-KTGR to call or text us. So now now that the the boss is gone, we can uh, play the The boss? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's how it works, but I I was just going to comment that producer Chris doesn't want that smoke on the picks of the week. I think this is becoming a bit of a trend for him sometimes. He he does kind of dip out, doesn't he? Right before (laughs) and... uh, Although I missed last Friday, but we're not counting that. Okay, fine. Well, he's going to have to take the leftovers... Uh, from what we give him in the picks of the week, as we will make our picks coming up at 5:45, huge NFL weekend, and so we'll we'll get to some of that. We'll get to what we think about one of those games, yeah, the Chiefs and the Bills. This is the one. Man, this could be a. There's a couple good games on the slate, and this yeah. is one of them in the AFC, no doubt. Absolutely, Chiefs are enduring some injuries this week too. Several guys out, which we're going to get to. Can that be an issue? Uh, and are the Bills going to take advantage of that? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. We'll also discuss uh, all kinds of NFL with Rob Vino, wagertalk.com, uh, for the Vegas perspective at 425. And, oh, man, it's this weekend, the border war. Who you got? Mizzou or KU? 505. We'll discuss it. <sighs> I'm going I'm to be nervous about this game, Andy. I don't care what the point spread says. I want... I want uh, I want that win. I I'm right there I mean, with that, you. <laughs> I mean, I sure hope so. Uh, let's be unrealistic for a minute. Like, why not? Yeah, why not us? Why not us? Why stop now? Get Eli Drinkwitz in the room there. Dennis Gates can fire up the team just fine. I'm not saying that. But uh, give us your thoughts on Mizzou, Kansas at 505-875-KTGR. You can call or text us. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook, too, at Facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now the Big Show's Big Deal. Yeah, so that game is uh, tipping off at 415 on Saturday. You can hear it on 96.7 KCMQ this weekend. You can hear Mizzou women's basketball here on KTGR starting at 445. They have a big game against Kansas State on a neutral site in St. Joseph. Chiefs and Bills. Injury report for Kansas City today. Not all that great. Four players out, including running back Isaiah Pacheco with a shoulder injury. Did not practice all this week. Same fate for safety Brian Cook, offensive lineman Donovan Smith, and linebacker Drew Tranquil. They are all out this week with injury as well. On the bright side, though, Nick Bolton practiced in full this week, so it would seem that the Chiefs are going to have a good chance to get Bolton on the field this weekend. Does not have an injury designation at all heading into the Chiefs-Bills game, 325 on Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. And that's the Big Show's big deal on this 8th day of December 2023, 875-KTGR, if you want to call or text us. So let's start there. 
Those are four players for the Chiefs that we know are out. And one of them is their starting running back. And they've got a starting running back, starting safety, starting offensive tackle. All out. Everything's fine, right? They'll be just fine. Everything's fine. Listen, I think the the left tackle thing is the biggest problem. Wouldn't you agree? Sure. I mean, it's not great. I will say that... Donovan Smith has had to miss a little bit of time this year, and they've gotten some guys to get experience over there, but you'd like Donovan Smith. I, uh, that is a bit of a concern. They might have to do some mixing and matching, maybe throw Juwan Taylor that side or something else. Who knows? Yeah, and for as much as I've talked about, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire basically being cooked and done in a non-factor this year, which he mostly has been, I don't think it's impossible that he could just step in to a starting role and be fine. I think he could be serviceable in lieu of Isaiah Pacheco, and hopefully you have a a rock-solid Jarek McKinnon to kind of help pitch in there as well. But I I just look at the offensive line and say, man, that's an area where I I really would like to see things be all full steam ahead for this Chiefs team against a Bills team that, like like I've said all throughout the week, Andy, I think the Chiefs are going to have to score to keep up with these guys. Totals around 48-and-a-half. I think as we're sitting here right now, I don't have my final score prognosticated just yet, but I think I'm going to like the over in this game. Can the Chiefs keep pace offensively with the Bills? You lose a couple of pieces from your offense, well, I can be a little bit of a concern toward that end, I would have to imagine. Well, especially the run game, which has been fairly steady for the Chiefs so far this year, and you don't want to break that up. And look, I I think Clyde can be fine. Uh, The question is, uh, the, the Chiefs' run game has been a real positive this year, and you don't know whether he can bring it to that level. So more pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Is he going to have to run around a little bit more due to not having one of your starting tackles? Are you going to have enough uh, consistency from the wide receiver room to help him out in these situations? Is Travis Kelsey going to show up for this game? I mean, it's just all kinds of what-ifs. And if you don't have a clear answer for one of them, then, then yeah, you're, you have uh, some real danger in this game because the Bills have had two weeks to prepare and know that they need this. They've been stewing over the last few weeks over the last couple losses they've had, and they're ready to say enough's enough. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, what's the situation with their injury report? I'd have to imagine off a of bye that they're pretty – Moderately healthy at this point. For the most Whereas the part, Chiefs, yeah, like, on both sides of the ball, they're not. I mean, Dawson Knox, questionable. Kyir Elam, questionable. But... And Knox has been out for months. Right, I mean, yeah. that, they're getting him back, potentially. That'd but be a he bonus. practiced in full all this week. So yeah. uh, it, it's, it's a matter of whether or not they're going to activate him from IR. Uh, Von Miller seems to be fine. He had that <laughs> situation with the I can't believe this week. he's playing. And, yeah, that's uh, an interesting one to maybe monitor. Um, but as you think far if they as health, put him on fine. a list, they would have for Von Miller. If they were going to put him on some sort of commissioner's, commissioner's list or something, it, would that have happened by now? Or can they do that going all the way up to would, to game time? I suppose I would think so. But he did practice in, in the last couple of days, so I mean, yeah, but it's, the plan it's what is it, well, speed. sure for now. But I guess if they because it, it was an off field incident uh, that if at any point they decide to to step in, I don't really know what to expect from that. The NFL. Seems like, Andy, sometimes they're not so consistent with the way they handle individual cases, you know, week to week. Remember, we had the uh, the incident with Justin Ross and said, oh, you know, if he were a 
maybe bigger name player he would get to play as that process plays out, whereas well, Von Miller, known commodity, I don't know if there's a, a distinction there to be made. Well, and as mentioned, it, I believe Justin Ross is, has received a suspension of six games. Uh, there you he, have it. Yeah, so I mean, uh, there, there's some resolution to that situation. But yeah, Von Miller, a bit of an open case, you would think, and so... Uh, who knows? But I, I think you expect that he's going to play as long as uh, nothing last minute happens. Uh, relatively healthy are the Bills. Josh Allen was maybe dealing with a shoulder thing, but he's fine. Uh, same with Dalton Kincaid. Uh, some of your other uh, key contributors on defense will be fine. The Chiefs, meanwhile, uh, outside of those four players, should be okay. But, again, you're looking at key spots where the Chiefs – They've been very steady so far this year in some of the areas where they're going to be a little bit thin, and now you worry about the foundation cracking. Yeah, Drew Tranquil, Brian Cook. Like, this Bills team that you mentioned reeling over the the last loss that they took, that was a loss in overtime to the Eagles. Andy, the Bills had the Eagles on the ropes in that game and end up allowing the comeback in the second half, and the, the Eagles win it in overtime the Bills' offense has not been the problem the last couple of games, scoring 30-plus points in their last two contests a week to get healthy over the bye. Like, I expect rest to be the beneficiary more so than the rust factor for the offense. I'm looking for the Bills to come out firing, though, that they're kind of playing for their season in a way. I know that there's a possible path to the playoffs if you lose this game and maybe win the rest of them. But for them, like this is not where they expected to be. They did not anticipate being six and six at this point, basically trying to just get in, sneak into the NFL playoff picture. That's kind of where they're at. And so this is a big game for them. It's not to say it's not for the Chiefs as well coming off that Packers loss, but th- there's a little bit more margin for error if you're the Chiefs and you're thinking at this point in time, uh, maybe we're not that number one seed caliber this year. We've had too many issues. I'm sure they're not thinking that in the locker room, Andy, but like on the outside, we're just kind of basically treating it like, eh, the Chiefs are going to be there. We know they're going to be there. The AFC West, not that strong. I think there's more urgency on the Bills side, and that could be a dangerous factor if you're Kansas City. 875-KTGR, who you got in this one, Chiefs or Bills? You can also comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show to weigh in here. I really wonder about Patrick Mahomes' ability to uh, have the the right connection with the guys not named Kelsey because you're going to have to rely upon them in multiple spots in this game. Is Rashi Rice going to become the the top receiver, essentially, for this group? It's the second, uh, the top two in, in as far as pass catchers that can be reliable, that can get yards after the catch, that can not drop the football with consistency. It's just, uh, you need somebody there. I feel like they've done a really good job the last couple of weeks of putting him in really good spots. Like, not necessarily uh, thinking that you have to throw 20 yards downfield to him, maybe giving him a chance to run in space and and get yards after the catch there. But uh, it's just adding to some of the versatility that we've seen from him and that has to be, uh, I think, a focus for, for the Chiefs to get somebody going other than Kelsey. And I think that will be. I think Rasheed Rice has been that guy. You look over the last couple of weeks, it feels like a concerted effort to have him established and say, look, the spreading the ball around was nice in theory. Then we kind of found out that wasn't working so well for the offense. 
Last two weeks, he's had eight receptions in both games on 10 targets and nine targets, respectively. So you mentioned, like, drops. He's been efficient in terms of being able to haul in the football when he's targeted. But, Andy, this past week, 64 yards, eight yards per reception, and a long of 13 yards. So while I think, yes, Rasheed Rice can be that guy that can be reliable, I don't know that it's always going to be in a game-breaking way. We're just so used to seeing the Chiefs have these guys that, can make big plays and the yards after catch. And there's not a lot of that going on with this team. I don't know if Rasheed Rice is even that guy consistently, but I think you can rely upon him. And I think that might be a key, Andy, because Mahomes is just looking for guys that he knows aren't going to mess up. Like, it's it's kind of a sad foundational spot to be here, but that's where I feel like it is where, in his mind, he's got to know that if I throw it in a guy's direction, it's not going to end in a tipped ball interception that goes on my ledger. I think that's important. And to that end, I think, yes, Rasheed Rice has gotten there. But what do you think about Kelsey? Like, how we, we keep saying outside of Travis Kelsey, but what can Mahomes reasonably rely upon Kelsey to do? I'm going to use the phrase at this point in his career because this year hasn't been quite as explosive as his previous seasons, Andy. So where are we on expectations for Kelsey, who had 81 yards in the last game, but only four receptions, a little lower than we're used to seeing from him? It's so tough to put your finger on it. I it, look the the lazy argument is oh it's Taylor Swift no it's not I mean no, it's, it's like it's come Taylor on Swift I don't think anybody really story. thinks that like, did, but but again I I think it's it is wear and tear sometimes just getting ready each and every week uh, for an NFL football game gets a lot harder when you pass thirty five years old. Uh, so, I mean, it's just one of those things that every NFL player goes through, especially a player like Kelsey with the position that he plays at tight end. I, I mean, when you're asked to do so many things, block, split out wide for passes, catch this ball and run 15 yards, trying to elude the 250-pound linebackers that are barreling toward it's a bunch of stuff. And, I mean, I, I get it. I just didn't think it was going to happen this year, essentially. And maybe it's not happening this year. Maybe it's just a down year and we've held Kelsey to an unfair high standard. That's the thing. So a couple of things. One, don't don't age this man out of control here. Nobody's given me 30 yet. You can't give him 35. He's only 34. If I've got to be 30, then everybody's <laughs> got to be 30, Brendan. He, he's 30. I'm not. You are. Kelsey's 34. He'll be 35 next year. But I, I you look at his numbers and it's like, could this more be a product of the offense itself doesn't have other supporting cast members that are as consistent as the Chiefs have had in recent years, and it's not really a down year at all for Kelsey. Like, you look at the last couple of games, 4 for 81, 6 for 91. A few weeks ago, he had a 6 for 58, 12 for 179, and 1, 9 for 124. Like, he's put up some big numbers, some big games this year. I think it's just this offense in general doesn't have those explosive pieces. What makes Kelsey great? is that he can basically do it to you from anywhere on the field. But a lot of times for him, it is that intermediate game that then turns into a big gainer because he's able to get a tackle broken and get behind the defense. This year, I feel like it's been more difficult to come up with those types of plays just because he's kind of having to do it all on his own. And maybe just the notion of Rashi Rice being reliable can be more helpful to Kelsey having Kelsey-like games. I'm going to say that... I don't even think I'd go as far as to say that he's lost a step, Andy. I think it's just one of those things where you look at a few game lines in a row and go, oh, where's Travis Kelsey? He must be on the decline. I, I've i seen enough good games from him this year to think it's more just about the offense in general 
that's not allowed him to be what he normally can be. When you have Tyreek Hill, or even last year with guys like Juju and some of the other veteran guys that you just, they're not explosive, but they can get the job done. The defense can't afford to focus as much on Kelsey. This year, I feel like they could kind of sit on him, and that's limited his production. I don't think he's really lost a step, though. I think that the the age argument might honestly be the lazy take, which is like, oh, I looked at the numbers. He's not been as involved. He must be just kind of aging out of it. I'm not sure that's happened, and if you can get other guys helping him out, we might be able to see that down the stretch for KC. 875-KTGR, give us a call or a text with how you see this Chiefs-Bills matchup shaping up in Arrowhead on Sunday afternoon. Who gets more rushing yards? It's not really an over-under, but who do you think gets more rushing yards, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, or James Cook? Well, that's good. That's a good one because... Because James Cook, I mean, it, it's been fine. A good average per carry, but how much are they going to rely on him? Yeah, because they've, they've been mixing in Latavius Murray. I think uh, Leonard Fournette is still on this team, actually, as well. I don't know how much you can expect him to, to really get involved. Neither run defense has ranked too favorably. They're both kind of just barely below the halfway mark of the league, neck and neck at 19th and 20th uh, in the NFL this season in yards allowed, about 115 yards allowed on the ground per game. So uh, I expect you're going to see both run defenses try to keep it together. To me, James Cook has the bigger game-breaking ability, but I'm actually going to go Clyde. I'm going to go Clyde because I'm going to predict that the Chiefs were embarrassed by what happened against A.J. Dillon last week, and even without some of their guys on the defense, are going to put together a better effort against a, like the style of runner that James Cook is. A little easier to keep bottled up than A.J. Dillon. When A.J. Dillon gets rolling downhill, he's just a bowling ball, and I feel like the, the Chiefs had a, a, an issue with that type of runner. I think Clyde can be a bit of a bowling ball himself in this matchup. Like I've said throughout the week, I don't love the Chiefs here, Andy, but I think Clyde is actually capable of having a solid day, whereas James Cook, if he gets you, it might be a little bit more in the passing game. That's going to be my prediction. Well, and Clyde can still break off a play or two also. He has that in him. I just don't know if they've always called the plays for him in 100%. those types of uh, in those situations. Like they call those plays for Pacheco, but now that you have yeah. to maybe rely on Clyde to – to make those plays, I think he's still capable. Again, I I think he's gone from the Chiefs after this year. This is his last year to try. He's auditioning for other NFL teams right now. But um, I think he can really take advantage of this chance. Here's a number that, or a little prop that I'm going to throw out there. Probably won't ask Rob Vino about it, but it's just in my own head, I think it would be interesting to track down what the, like, you can always bet the longest rush by a player. What's his longest carry in the game going to be? I don't know what that number will be for Clyde. I don't think those props maybe even, they might not even be out yet because just recently Pacheco was announced as out. But I'm going to say whatever it is, Clyde clears it. If it's 11 and a half yards, I think he breaks at least one gainer that kind of gets the team juiced a little bit this week, Andy. But I don't know if that's going to be enough to actually win this game. The point spread, it started out like KC minus three and a half. It's down to like one or two points right now. It's close and to a pick em, yeah. It's getting there. Yeah, I mean, on both sides of it, you could, you, you're you not even getting even money on the bills anymore, I don't think. It's like minus 105 on the money line. So it's about as close as it can get. I know you've seemed confident when we talked about this game throughout the week that the Chiefs would show up for this matchup. So I ask you, who you got? I think the Chiefs do pull it out. I, I think it's a uh, a close nip-and-tuck type of game. 
field goal here, field goal there. But I think the Chiefs' ability to get into scoring position a little bit more, and even if they're not in the red zone, Harrison Butker's got a good leg and can and can be a plus there. I'm going to say the Chiefs win it 26-23. 26. Interesting. Uh, our scores aren't that different, but I'm taking the other side. I'm going to go Bills 27, Chiefs 24. I think Buffalo just needs this one too much to lose it. And it'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs do fall, how they respond. Because I don't necessarily think the sky will be falling on the Chiefs as a result of a loss here. But it it's going to feel that way for a little while until we see them get back on track. But it's going to be a great game, Andy. I think this game and the one between the Cowboys and Eagles are going to be two of the most compelling games of the NFL weekend. Uh, looking forward to ask Rob Vino about both of them coming up. All right, so uh, we'll get to some of that. And you can get your thoughts in, too, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show, and also on the KTGR hotline. Call or text us at 875-KTGR to tell us who you got, Chiefs or Bills, this weekend. And it's not just the only big game. In the NFL in the next few days. Lots to get to with Rob Vino of wagertalk.com for this week 14 slate. He'll join us next here on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Yeah, 426 on The Big Show, KTGR and KTGR.com with Andy and Brendan. Thanks for joining us, 875-5847, if you want to give us a call or a text. Big NFL slate, Chiefs-Bills, a big part of it, of course, but it's not just that. There is plenty to get to, a lot of action that could happen during Week 14. And here to talk with us about it, our good friend Rob Vino over at wagertalk.com for sports from a Vegas perspective on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports. Robbie, how are you this week? I am good today, guys. How are you doing? Hey, doing great. Uh, looking forward to this NFL weekend we got coming up. And really, Chiefs-Bills, it's been fascinating. Uh, the Bills uh, getting uh, shrinking that line more and more as we get deeper and deeper into the week and closer to this matchup. Chiefs have some injuries to deal with. What's been your read on how this has kind of developed and how uh, the Bills coming off the bye are starting to get a lot more attention? Yeah, I, I don't know a lot of people that I've spoken to this week that are on Kansas City, to tell you the truth, um, Andy. And I think there's a lot of reasons. You described a couple, but I think that the desperation that Buffalo or the cornered spot that Buffalo is in right now certainly has drawn some money. I think that the performance against Philadelphia in a game that they probably should have won has attracted some money. Certainly the lack of offense, some firepower shown by KC. Um, a lot of factors go into this, but I think first and foremost is the situational aspect of it's getting late in the season and Buffalo needs wins. So I think that's what has betters um, so far up till now, Friday afternoon, playing the Buffalo side. We'll see if there's any take back on KC. Yeah, and uh, certainly uh, it's been interesting to see how it's moved this week. I wonder, uh, we were kind of going back and forth about some of these run games, and with uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire most likely to take the bulk of the carries for the Chiefs in this game, and how the Bills tend to use James Cook week after week, I, I wonder who you may think might come out with a, a larger rushing total in the end, and, and whether you think uh, that maybe uh, gives one, ed one edge to uh, one team or the other here. You know, if I were to guess, I would think Kansas City in the end would be the better rush team. Um, and it's kind of strange to be saying that now 
with a Chiefs team. But if there's one side that's going to work more middle of the field, more run game, intermediate stuff, that's KC. Josh Allen, they're still taking shots. Um, and he's playing extremely well. So I would think that probably the run game is more. Um, and I, I believe me, I don't have Andy Reid's scripted sheet. I don't have his game plan. But just in seeing what's happening here, it would lead me to believe that Kansas City would be the team leaning a little bit heavier on the run. It's always subject to change during the game. That's why, you know, whoever invented in-game, God bless them, um, because – Score and time has so much to do with who ends up running the ball more. A lot of these attempts and a lot of these yards are gained if you have a 28-13 to 13 lead in the fourth quarter and you're just trying to grind some clock. Uh, Kansas City's probably better at that than Buffalo is. So I think it just brings me back to the same place. KC, in my mind, would be more likely to have an edge in the running game here, at least as far as attempts and perhaps success goes. So, Robbie, the other big game in the NFL this week is that NFC East matchup between the Eagles and Cowboys. I really liked Dallas the first time around when they played at Philly. They fell just short of winning that game, but now they're getting a lot of credit. Looks like a minus three and a half favorite for this rematch at home. How do you view this one? And if we've gone too far, maybe in fading an Eagles team that still has that darn tush push in their back pocket, how do you view this one, Robbie? Yeah, I tell you what, the bookmakers hope that it's gone too far because very, very seldom you see odds makers open a game two and a half, the game hits three, and then it crashes through to three to three and a half. They hate to do that. They'll leave that three up there, three minus 15, three minus 20, three minus 25 cents until they can't take it anymore because the flood is just too much for the dam to hold up. And that's what's happened here. The Dallas money has just crashed the gates. Um, and so has the total money, guys, 48 and a half, all the way to 52 now. Um, so certainly people view this game as a one-way ticket, Dallas and over. A lot of it has to do with Dallas's home record and the results that they produced at home. A lot of it has to do with what you talked about, Brendan, the first time around. Boy, the Cowboys had their chances. And then another thing is, of course, the grinding schedule that Philadelphia has been through, and they just don't look like the same team at this point in time, especially on the defensive side. I think Dallas probably is the right side when you combine um, the fundamental aspects and the situationals. Again, let's just take a look at this NFL calendar, which is getting later and later. But for the Dallas Cowboys, a loss here virtually gives the division to the Eagles. But a win tightens things up. All of a sudden, they both have one divisional loss. All of a sudden, they're both sitting at 10-3. and three. Dallas has a win over the Eagles, so the tiebreaker would go deeper. Um, it's big for the Cowboys here. And you know, it, Not that everybody can do what San Francisco does, but I think they've known this in Philadelphia for a long time. At least five years now, the linebacking crew has not been great. And when they have injuries in the secondary, boy, they're vulnerable in the back seven if the pass rush doesn't get home. And San Francisco just happens to be a team that works middle and run game. And they destroyed Philadelphia last week, six consecutive touchdown drives. Dallas doesn't play it exactly the same way, but they can do it. So, um, I, you know, it's hard to argue with the money, but now that it's gotten beyond a field goal, it kind of makes you stop and think if you still want to play Dallas. 
Yeah, I wish I could travel back in time a little bit to make sure I would have uh, gotten in while the get was good, but uh, that didn't happen. I do have another question about this game, though, Rob, as it pertains to MVP futures. What do you think mm-hmm. about the notion of Dak Prescott? If the, the Cowboys can win this game, his odds have gotten really slim compared to where they were. I should say they're 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 closing in on him being the betting favorite. How do you view kind of the race between he and Brock Purdy, assuming that both teams win their division, and then maybe a notion of, like, would they ever give it to a wide receiver if Tyreek Hill gets to 2,000 yards? I know you're not huge on futures, Robbie, but I wanted to kind of get your take on this one. Yeah, well, you know, where Dak Prescott is concerned, to me, this is probably the, you know, the fork in the road, right? I mean, if he has a bad game here and you venture to play Dak Prescott for MVP before this game starts and things go sour for Dallas, then you're not winning that bet. He's not coming back to win that MVP award in the last four weeks if they lose this game. Um, Jalen Hurts, maybe you could say the same thing about him. It would really leave the door wide open for Brock Purdy. I think that um, as fate would have it, the door could still be open for other players, including Tyree Kill, depending upon how Miami finishes. Miami's closing schedule, Brendan, and I don't – I had it in front of me yesterday, but I remember it being pretty tough. The last five games, at least three out of the five were difficult. So um, for him, competition is tough. But then again, you start looking at the teams he's going to play and who's actually going to cover him. I don't know the answer to that. And if you get over 2,000 yards as a receiver and your team does win the division, I think I'd have to go that route. I know some people think that, you know, in that case, two is a candidate, but I think Tyreek certainly. And the people from Kansas City can speak to the value of Tyreek Hill at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Rob Vino of wagertalk.com for Sports from a Vegas Perspective here on the Big Show KTGR. The favorite that you like maybe more, maybe on that same front, uh, Dolphins huge favorites on Monday night against Tennessee. San Francisco huge favorites against uh, Seattle. The lines are almost in the exact same spot, close to two touchdowns. Who do you think is more likely to to have a better time of of covering that number? You think? Well, considering what San Francisco just did to Seattle on Thanksgiving night and the injuries in the backfield that came out today for Seattle, I think you would say San Francisco has easier time. The only problem with that is, you know, it's Friday and they're still talking about how they defeated Philadelphia. How about we forward think and worry about Seattle next? But they seem to be living in the past a little bit. So you'd worry that maybe they don't give you the full focus in that game. Miami's certainly in a spotlight game, a spotlight game on Monday night would give you that effort. So I, I think I'd have to lean Miami just because I don't think that Tennessee has the ability to catch up. Miami gets out in front. The real answer should be San Francisco, but I'm concerned where their focus is, guys. It's been a, a, you know, a four-day, four-and-a-half-day week now since they've won in Philadelphia, and that seems to be the only thing they're worried about still. Yeah, we, we shall see uh, as that uh, develops here very soon. Uh, Army Navy is this weekend, too, uh, Robbie. The total way down, uh, I know that uh, the, it's, a, it's a very close point spread, but we're seeing Iowa-level type of totals here with, with, with this game. Uh, I, I wonder how, how you sort of read that, and for folks wanting to, to, to maybe try that out, how you like to lean. Well, I mean, the obvious knee-jerk reaction to this game for years and years and years has been just play it under, right? And you just cash and cash and cash. I think last year it finally went over. 
the total. Um, but now you're looking at 28 in a good weather game, guys. The weather in Foxborough, Massachusetts, which is really – I don't know how they decided upon this particular venue. It's usually been Philly, Baltimore, maybe the Meadowlands. Um, but Foxborough, okay. Um, but the weather's going to be good, surprisingly good on Saturday for this game. So you don't even have that element that we usually have in mid-December when this game is played. I, you know, I can't bring it upon myself to play under 28 in any college football game anymore. I don't care if they run the ball, you know, 45, 47 times each. It really doesn't matter. Um, Eventually, they throw the ball, and that pass play is usually wide open. Both quarterbacks capable here. Um, Navy played pretty well toward the end of the year when they finally decided on a starting quarterback, but SMU lit them up through the year. I'm sure Army took note. And Army played really well down the stretch after suffering through the middle of the season. So my personal opinion is I think Army's the right side, and there's no way in heck you're going to find me playing under 28. I mean, if it wins, it wins. God bless those who cast that ticket, but um, I won't be one of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's so hard to do. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of there with you, Robbie. Uh, what's, the though, the, the free pick that you like throughout anything this weekend? I know there's college hoops and uh, there's NFL. Uh, one college game, of course, uh, for football in FBS. But what's the free pick that you like? Well, I'll have to, for tonight, I'll go to the NBA because that's what's prevalent right now. Um, so we get to college bowl season next week. If you're playing FCS football, Tonight, Furman and Montana. Montana's a 17-point favorite at home. Um, Bobby Houck, a guy who used to coach at UNLV after he left Montana and went back. Montana's probably the right side of that game. But I think for those listening, if you're going to kick back and watch that one, just know that I have over 43 in that game. So if you like that, you like that. However, in the NBA tonight, I would say I'm going to give you guys a little. Well, what we like to do here in this business is be a little proactive, get out in front of the train before the entire nation knows about it. And there's something going on with the Bulls here. Um, Billy Donovan, the, that team had averaged the lowest amount of possessions in a 48-minute game up until about five games ago when Billy Donovan declared that his team needs to just push tempo. That's the new philosophy around Chicago, push, push, push. We've got to get more possessions Sure enough, their number of possessions for 48 minutes has gone up by four and a half over the course of the last four games, and their point-scoring ability has gone up even without Zach Levine. Tonight they play San Antonio, maybe arguably the worst defense in the NBA, total sitting at 224 and a half. Um, Anything under 235 in a San Antonio game gets my attention immediately. So I played this one over, guys. I think we're getting out ahead of the cart here, and we can get a little bit of value with Bulls games over. While the odds makers are still pricing them as this slow snail paced team, but Billy Donovan, I mean, he said it, and then they backed it up with actions the last four games. So I'm going to follow along and play Bulls San Antonio over 224 and a half. All right, very good. He's our man Rob Vino over at WagerTalk.com. Love getting his perspective on the uh, the bets that you could make in your jurisdiction of legality this weekend. And you can follow him on Twitter at Rob Vino Sports and go to WagerTalk for all their great info. Robbie, thanks for coming on as always. Hope all is well. We'll talk again soon. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you next week. You bet. It is 440 here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Time to get into the NBA a little bit more. In-season tournament wrapping up this weekend and uh, Christmas coming up. You know, good stuff. I like it, and I like the – 
again, you expect, oh, he's going to give us some NFL. No, no, no. Rob oh, Vino yeah. is always going to find the diamond the, in the, the rough that you're not thinking of. Diamond exactly, in the rough. Because, and that's what that's where you can maybe have an edge too. Everybody's going to bet on the the Cowboys or the Chiefs game, but this is uh, something off the beaten path, which I appreciate. Very good. So uh, under the bus coming up next uh, uh, to more of the Sean McDermott stuff that came out uh, just yesterday. And uh, that's after this live local sports center where we've got a little bit of breaking news, it would seem. You are listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. It seems the Cardinals have uh, made some moves uh, here on the Big Show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Or at least a move, I should say, but one that uh, we were maybe looking to see if the Cardinals were going to do at some point this week after the winter meetings. And turns out, Brendan, it's done. Yeah, and I just like how polite you are to John Rooney. That was nice of you to thank him for. Well, he's a nice guy. He deserves that. Nice guy. Uh, deserves great, it. Yeah, great but, broadcaster. Uh, you know, yeah. Tyler O'Neill, nice guy, too, but he's, he'll be a nice guy on the Red Sox now. That's true. As uh, lots of reports that he's been traded to Boston. No word yet on the return. In the deal, but this is a move we knew the Cardinals were looking to make. But I mean, Moselak went as far as to tell us so, which is something I, I would use the term that he rarely does, but it's I think it's a fair to say he never does this until this week when at the winter meetings he said, Yeah, he's we're we're listening to trade offers on Tyler O'Neill. They feel like they want to move forward in their outfield with Tommy Edmond in center, with maybe Dylan Carlson backing him up if Edmond should be required to move back to the infield to back up Mason Wynn. So lots of moving parts there, but they just didn't see a role for Tyler O'Neill and what they're looking to do with their outfield every day in 2024. Seems like Lars Nupar in left, Jordan Walker in right on a regular basis is going to be the plan. And now we just kind of wait to see if the Cardinals ideally got a pitcher back for Tyler O'Neill, Even if that's just a guy to throw into the bullpen mix, that's not the end of the world. I'll also be curious to see if the Cardinals have to eat any money sending him away because he's going to make five or six million dollars this year final year of arbitration eligibility ideally the cardinals will get to shed some salary with this move but it wouldn't shock me if they had to eat a little bit of the salary that he will be commanded uh but we'll see what ends up coming of that lots to uh figure out again not so sure Uh, the only player that we know on this deal uh, being reported right now is tyler o'neill we don't know any other uh details or anything like that we just know that uh He's reportedly going to the Red Sox, and we'll see if uh, the, if we can find out uh, the rest of the details of that deal coming up later on in the show. We'll keep you abreast of that, 875-KTGR. If you want to call or text us here, we'll also get to the moment of the week, even though producer Chris not here somehow still finds his way to sneak the moment of the week in. Our picks of the week are coming up at 545 as well. <laughs> It's time to go under the bus on the big show. Things got really bad for the Steelers last night, and really their fans too. Of course, they had to play Mitch Trubisky because Kenny Pickett's hurts and it's most likely going to be hurt for a little while here. So they go with Trubisky last night against the Patriots, and they lose by three, and they were down 21-3 at one point to uh, the Patriots who came in with only two wins. So not great vibes. For uh, Steelers fans who ended up booing Mitch Trubisky and then not only booing him, but also chanting that they wanted Mason Rudolph back. Like, it's not just the booing, but it's the fact Yikes. that you are that you can name another mediocre backup that your team has had and say, I want that guy instead of you. Man. 
Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, Mason Rudolph, I, I don't know, the short memory that Steelers fans might have is also not very good. No. But, <laughs> yeah. it, and, and I don't really know if he's, is he even on the active roster or would he have been like the third quarterback? I guess he would have been on the active roster last night given that we knew Kenny Pickett was out going into the game. But at any rate, you're down bad if you're changing for Mason Rudolph. That being said, Andy, I think Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer might have been a better option than oh. Mitchell Trubisky. So I kind of understand where they're coming from on this one. Well, he can certainly be a little more fleet of foot uh, there in the backfield, at the very least, if you want to try like and get a running threat. Like how you're analyzing <laughs> this. Like this. Uh, look, I'm just saying. Analyze the joke. That's yeah, fine. I know. Go, I'm go, just, go through the, that's, the process that's here. My, that's my way of... Uh, under the bus. Going through it, I suppose. Under the bus also to Sean McDermott. Uh, yesterday, we threw him under because uh, of what we learned about how he tried to motivate his team in a, in a speech back in 2019 where he compared the, the hijackers of 9-11 and saying, that we need to be like them. We have to come together as a team and all be on the same page. Uh, no, don't use that analogy, of course. Uh, and then Sean McDermott, I believe, had a, uh, a press conference today that was not scheduled. He went ahead and just uh, did it off the cuff, and the thing was about six minutes long. And I guess he apologized for it. But he also kind of said the whole, oh, this is an attack on my character. This article that came out about me, oh, they're just trying to attack me. Now, I haven't read the article, but it, you can't believe everything you read in there. It's taken out of context, things like that. How can you say uh, big things about an article that you didn't read? Like, come on. Yeah, that's weird. Like, that's a he, weird <laughs> approach to have for this one. He admitted that he didn't read it, and then but said, and then said fake news. Ah! Don't trust it unless they're saying nice stuff, and then it's probably true. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I uh, I have no idea how he he came to uh, all of that, but. He did not acquit himself all that well. All you got to do is apologize and say, my bad, not doing that again. And even then, you're probably still going to take some heat. But decided to open up another door of like, okay, you have more reasons to be criticized now. This is not how you handle this. I know I picked the Bills in the game, but I don't know if their head coach is kind of a dummy. I don't know if I feel very comfortable with that. Well, we know that for other reasons. Like There are other reasons to know that. Uh, for for Sean McDermott, but um, but yeah, the the fact that the, this is kind of hanging over their head this week a little bit. It was four years ago, but uh, again, once you find out, you find out, and it's not great either way. Whether it's four or forty years ago, not good. Uh, so under the bus, under the bus to uh, to Sean McDermott. There, uh, maybe read the article first, and that way you don't have to admit that you didn't read it. I just. I don't know if the It'd PR be a good department place to start. Yeah, I don't know if the PR department was in the ear of Sean McDermott there. I guess not. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the Big Show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. They have the perfect gifts for your employees and customers this holiday season, anniversary, birthday, holiday. Go to the Candy Factory on Cherry Street in downtown Columbia or online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Cool thing here, Kobe Brown. Uh, you remember him, of course. Uh, Mizzou men's basketball stud from the past few seasons. Now in the NBA with the LA Clippers after getting drafted in the first round. The NCAA honored him today. 
they have their NCAA Today's Top 10 Award where they honor former student-athletes who have graduated and now are doing uh, good things in their community and, and on and off the court, things like that. And Kobe Brown, uh, named to uh, this award list, uh, picked out 10 people, uh, essentially, picked out of 500,000 student-athletes. That's not bad for Kobe Brown. Congratulations to him. Yeah, he's deserving of, of any and all accolades and looking forward to continuing to see the development of him at the next level but man there are a few players in mizzou basketball history who were as instrumental to the program as what kobe brown did i don't think that's a like a crazy hyperbolic thing to say he he was the man andy and i think he's gonna i think he's gonna catch on and, and have a nice pro career as well at the next level yeah i mean the way that he helped sort of bridge things allowed dennis gates to get in in his first year help build the culture a little bit and become a huge presence on both ends of the floor and, and, and essentially turn into an NBA player in almost just a, a calendar year. It was really great to see from Kobe Brown, and so uh, congrats to him for that. And again, looking forward, I mean, putting up some good numbers, I suppose, when he gets the chance uh, for the Clippers every once in a while. He's going to get plenty of chances to play and develop, and we'll look forward to when the Clippers bring him into a bigger role. But, um, yeah, just don't. He can he can benefit from the load management that Kawhi Leonard takes all the time, you know. So yeah, that was kind of my first reaction when he ended up going to that team. Was like, oh, their players don't play all the time, so he's gonna. <laughs> it may not happen right away, but stay patient, and he'll he'll get some opportunities. I think down the down the stretch for sure. Uh, congrats to Kobe Brown again. NCAA today's top ten award goes to him. So uh, good stuff there. Eight seven five KTGR. You can call or text us. Tell us who you got: Chiefs or Bills. And Mizzou or Kansas this weekend over in Lawrence. Tough test uh, for Mizzou, of course. Their toughest test so far. Can they hold up against the Jayhawks on the road? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Producer Chris will have his moment of the week at 525. And, man, the picks of the week. Brendan on top last week with a 4-1 and one mark. He's going to try and keep things going. I'm just trying to keep my dignity with this thing, so I'll try my best. 545, our picks of the week coming your way here on The Big Show.